Welcome to the FinTech One-on-One Podcast, formerly the Lend Academy Podcast, episode number 298. This is your host, Peter Renton, chairman and co-founder of Lend at FinTech. Today's episode is brought to you by Lendit Fintech, the world's largest digital media and events company dedicated to all things fintech. Lendit Fintech offers programs throughout the year to the fintech community, such as engaging webinars, white papers, a weekly news show, a daily newsletter, and our newest offering, Fintech Features, a program that helps fintech companies amplify their announcements. Find out more details on all these offerings at lendit.com. Today on the show, I'm delighted to welcome Genevieve Juilliard. She is the president of Experian Marketing Services. Now, it's uh, quite different to the Experian Credit Bureau, and and, uh, Genevieve explains exactly how how this all fits. But we're doing something a little bit different today. We're we're talking about marketing. We're talking uh, specifically digital marketing and a lot of the changes that are happening there. We talk about how financial services firms are are adapting and and, and the kinds of campaigns they're running. You know, we we focus, we talk about third-party cookies and data deprecation. We delve into digital identity and what it, what that means in a marketing context. Uh, we talk about data privacy, which is obviously a really big issue. Uh, we talk about security, the new changes coming from Apple with their iPhone, and uh, the future of data privacy and digital identity, and, and much more. It was a fascinating interview. Hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to the podcast, Genevieve. Thanks, Peter. It's great to be here. Okay, so I like to get this thing started by giving the listeners a little bit of background. If you could sort of give us some of the the high points of your career to date. Sure. Well, I've been with Experian on and off for for 15 years. Mm -hmm. Um, And during my time at Experian, I've worked in three different countries. I've been across nearly every business line. But I'd say the, the major theme has been helping to drive innovation. Experian has vast data assets, uh, best-in-class analytics and technology, and of course, phenomenal people. And so my focus has been helping our teams really take advantage of that to drive the best solutions possible for our clients. Mm-hmm. What, so what countries have you, have you lived and worked in? Australia, United Kingdom, and United States, of course. All right. Three great countries right there. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> okay. So then tell us about exactly what your role is at Experian today. Yeah, so in my current role, which I assumed just over two years ago, I look after Experian Marketing Services, which now includes our recent acquisition of TapAd and Experian Data Quality Services. And one of the reasons I was so excited to take this role is that we have such a great set of assets and products to support marketers and advertisers, including, of course, in financial services. Mm -hmm. But to be honest, we haven't always done the best job explaining just that or taking full advantage of it. Mm -hmm. So with the significant changes the industry is going through right now, we see a really important opportunity to use our assets to help clients navigate those changes, drive further innovation within the industry, and support data-driven advertising that is more privacy-focused and transparent for consumers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, so then, and so where does it fit into the overall Experian umbrella. Obviously, you have a lot of different things you do that you know most well known for the for the credit data. But where does it uh, so where does it fit in? Yeah, well, as you mentioned, we're we're often thought of as one of the three credit bureaus, but our services extend so far beyond that. Mm. We've we're one of the world's largest data and technology businesses. We provide mm. 
data analytics and marketing services to organizations all over the world to help them make better decisions, grow their businesses, manage their risk, and connect with their customers. And we're also a very large consumer business. We provide tools directly to people, enabling them to better understand, manage, and improve their financial health. But as you said, Experian is vast, but you can think of it basically as having three principal business areas. Credit services and analytics, which are the information and tools to support lending and customer management. It's part of the business that your listeners are probably very familiar with. Mm-hmm. Um, consumer services, which is our direct consumer business, and marketing services. And marketing services provides the data and technology that helps marketers and advertisers identify the right audiences, deliver relevant messages, and execute better marketing campaigns. All of Experience's businesses, by the way, collaborate and work together. It's not as perfectly simple as I just described, but I have to note because it's important, our credit database is maintained separately from our marketing information database. Okay. Okay. Good to know. So then, I mean, for marketers today, there's there's a lot of changes. We're going to get into some of them in this interview, but mm-hmm. maybe you could just start off with talking about what are some of the key trends that you're paying closest attention to these days? Yeah, there are a lot of changes, but the biggest ones everyone's talking about are third-party cookie deprecation mm-hmm. and, uh, and the new requirements for Apple's identifier for advertisers, what we often refer to as IDFA. Both of those changes are going to affect how advertisers are able to identify and market to users across digital channels. Of the two, the most significant immediate hurdle for our industry is going to be adapting to life beyond third-party cookies, which is which is fundamental right now for, for pragmatic advertising. A related trend is an increasing focus on transparency, privacy, and consumer control. For our financial services clients who manage a very large volume of very sensitive consumer data, Data privacy concerns are going to be absolutely paramount. Any advertising approach and strategy is going to need to put the consumer at the heart of every decision that is made. Hmm. And then the last trend I would mention, again, related to data deprecation and privacy, is a focus on ensuring that analytics teams are able to successfully integrate and analyze data in a way that's both scalable and effective. This is incredibly important because despite the changes to data and the importance of privacy, data-driven marketing will remain essential and foundational to advertising. It will be absolutely critical to keep pace with the various industry and consumer behavior changes. Right, right. Well, I, I want to dig into the the third party cookies thing because that's something that I know that you know marketers in the financial space have used for for a long time. I mean, you know, when you go onto someone's website, they will follow you around the web until yeah. you, yeah, for at least a couple of weeks. It seems like, but just explain exactly what is changing and how it's going to work. Yeah. So. I'll start by describing what is data deprecation, right? Yeah. People must term. That's when the ability to access a certain type of consumer data becomes more limited. Uh, and it could become be due to regulatory measures, company decisions like Google's to phase out third-party cookies on Chrome, new types of wall gardens, or, or even direct consumer requests to opt out. And, and depending on the data type, in this case, third-party cookies, when they deprecate, there can be a direct impact on the addressability of advertisements. Because of this, marketers need to diversify and expand their data strategies in order to continue to advertise effectively, as well as to create resilience against potential future changes. So in the case of third-party cookie deprecation, which currently a lot of the programmatic advertising methodology relies, 
we're advising marketers to start exploring first party digital data identifiers, data extension, and stronger data collaboration to ensure they're prepared for the future. But it's also worth noting that the, the upheaval we're seeing right now isn't just about replacing the cookie. It's, it's also about how we fundamentally view identity and the role of consumer privacy. And, and our view at Experian is that marketing solutions going forward, they have to be natively privacy forward. Hmm. Uh, it needs to be part of how they're built. Interesting, interesting. So then maybe we could we could talk about that and like just let's let's talk about digital identity for a second because that's that's something that really is 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 the core here to what to what's going on. I mean, how does Experian you know view digital identity in the context of of the Experian marketing services? Well, fundamentally, the challenge of identity, regardless of the industry change we're, we're currently experiencing has been the ability to resolve various data points and identifiers to a household or an individual type. Right now, there are lots of third-party cookie alternatives hitting the market, but as consumer behaviors and technology continues to improve, to evolve, so will digital identity and new types of data and identifiers will continue to emerge as well. And, that, and that's because our market and identity, it's inherently dynamic. Three years ago, we didn't talk about connected television. And now it's a critical, important digital identifier. This year, there's going to be changes to IDFA. Next year, it's third-party cookies. The year after that, we don't know with certainty what it'll be, but it'll be something. Mm -hmm. So given that context, instead of driving marketers to a single solution, Experian Marketing Services is focused on enabling the ecosystem through what we consider healthy diversification by supporting multiple existing and new identifiers as they emerge. Okay. The deprecation of third-party cookies, it's, it's creating a shock because there was an over-dependence on one type of identifier. So it's, right. it's a hard lesson learned. So at EM Experian, we're focused on supporting the overall ecosystem resiliency and ensuring our clients and partners have the ability to take advantage of all the new data types as they emerge, whether they're third-party cookie alternatives or something else. And in part, we're doing this by supporting more effective interoperability of the various digital data types. So, what are what are some of the third-party cookie alternatives? I mean, is that I mean, because we said we've relied on this for so long. It's yeah. It, it, what what are some of the things that uh, is anything going to be as good as as the cookie that you know that person visited that website? Yeah. Well, well, there are some very good solutions coming to market uh, by some very reputable companies, um, some of which are based off of first-party cookies. And the to say, will any be as good? Well, we believe that in summation across digital identifiers, we can create an advertising ecosystem that is as effective as the one we're working within today, and frankly, more resilient. But that's because we'll have multiple different kinds of identifier in addition to the other digital identifiers, which are not deprecating, right? That are not third-party cookies. There's plenty of others, as well as other types of data in coordination with digital identifiers is also as critically important towards effective advertising campaigns. So yes, I, I think the answer is we can support a resilient and effective and privacy-forward ecosystem as we move forward if we build it in the right way. Okay, so, so can you just explain the difference between a first-party cookie and a third-party cookie? Yeah, so a first-party cookie is a cookie that's established due to a direct relationship with a consumer between a consumer and a publisher. 
the difference between that and a third party cookie, a third party cookie can be dropped by an entity that is not part of that direct relationship. So if you go to a specific website, you know, you may, their third, a third party cookie may be dropped that is not the owner of that website. It could be a completely different company. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So, so the first part is, so first party cookies are staying there's always, so that there's not going to be any changes there. Is that what you're saying? There are not. First party least, cookies are, are here to stay. At least, at least for the time being, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Okay. Well, our, so. our, our industry is very dynamic and that's why we, we encourage uh, a lot of different types of identifiers to be, to be taken advantage of. Right. Right. Yeah. It makes sense. It makes sense. So then, I want to talk about Tapad. I know that it was, this was a big acquisition for you guys, and you know they are you know, a leader in this in the digital identity resolution. So, what were the what were the key drivers? What were you trying to do there? What was behind the decision to acquire yeah. Tapad? Yeah, I'm really pleased they're part of our team. Well, it ties into what we've been talking about. As new digital identifiers and data types regularly emerging, some of which have yet to be announced or, or even created. TapAd um, will help us support our clients through this constantly evolving ecosystem. Um, and as you probably know, TapAd is the leading cross-device digital identity graph. A large part of the attractiveness of TapAd is that their approach and role in the ecosystem is very much in alignment with experience. We, we are philosophically aligned. And that is to develop solutions, like I said, that are enabling, that support our clients and partners' ability to navigate and benefit from data through all kinds of industry, consumer, and technology changes. The addition of TapAd allows us to complement experience leadership in data and identity with TapAd's leading cross-device digital identity graph. It covers 350 million individuals and 140 million households. So rather immediately, that combination of capabilities advances that interoperability we were talking about and positions us to support our clients in that post third party cookie world. But there's one other reason, there's many other reasons, but one other reason we're also very excited is in addition to supporting digital identity and interoperability, TapAd complements experience capabilities in connected television. Mm -hmm. Connected TV is, you probably know, it's growing exponentially. It's it's, uh, estimated that ad spend in CTV is gonna reach $20 billion in the next few years. And for CTV, TapAd's digital identity capabilities alongside experience offline identity and data assets enhances our clients' cross-screen campaigns and enables them to streamline their digital and connected TV ad buys. So really important towards allowing our clients to take advantage of this uh, rapidly growing advertising space. I think I need another definition. Um, what, yeah. is, what, is, what is connected TV exactly? Sure. So, you know, I, I encourage your audience, raise your hand if you have a Wi-Fi <laughs> connected television. I bet you have one or more yes. than one, right? Mm-hmm. So that is a connected television um, that has a, a fingerprint associated with it. And that can be targeted for um, for advertisements, for very targeted advertisements. And um, it's a very, it's an emerging but rapidly growing space into the advertising, in the advertising world, um, and is, uh, is really attractive for a number of reasons. Right. So can you identify based on like you've got like I've got a, I've got a connected TV I mean it's yeah. uh, I mean every TV these days is right pretty much the, the, the new, newer TVs anyway but mm-hmm. is that sort of can you can you sort of isolate that I own that TV and I'm also the person who goes and reads the Wall Street Journal every morning and does all and, and has this like is that are those two things coming together 
we we can we can, we won't say it's we can't isolate that it's Peter, right? Okay. Um, but we can say that these t- the person who owns this tablet who's been recently browsing on the Wall Street Journal very very likely also owns this connected television and right. also is very likely a male within a certain age with a certain kind of pre- family profile, perhaps income demographics or even f- familiar hobbies. All of those things we can discern. Right. Okay. So. Are we going to get to the stage where that so the the TV you know, TV producers will be able to um, use that information? Is it happening today where they're using the information that you have with connected TV that delivering ads? Because right now you watch network TV, it's everyone's got the same ad. I mean, except no, for the local, not at all. So the, it's the local already areas, ha- even without it's already con- happening. without even without connected TV, linear TV. So that's the network uh, that you were describing a lot of that advertising is data-driven. So, and a lot of it using experience services. So a a television advertiser um, in in partnership with with the networks is able to deliver advertisements that are tailored to your household. So just because you you live, let's say uh, in one place and you have a next door neighbor, you and your neighbor may not be seeing the same advertisement necessarily. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. And now you can take that to the next level with connected television advertising, of course. Sure. So then let's talk about financial services. That's what everyone's Mm -hmm. interested in here. You know, it's funny because, you know, like we watch, I mean, my, 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 I've got a 14 year old, he loves sports and he, he can recite, you know, the state farm commercial or, you know, the Liberty Insurance or, you know, there's so many of these financial services brands that are advertising on during sporting events and he's just soaking it all in and and reciting it. But anyway, tell us, can you tell us some of the, how you're working with financial services brands and how they're creating effective marketing campaigns today? Yeah, we're really excited about what we're doing with marketing and financial services. Um, actually, one of the most exciting things we did in the past year, you know, in addition to, to the acquisition of TabAd, is we launched our Ascend marketing platform. And what Ascend does is it expedites campaign processing for both pre-screen and invitation to apply ITA campaigns, all from one single cloud-based platform. So what this does, it addresses our financial services clients' needs for a simple and fast way to integrate their analytical insights, build custom models, reduce processing time for campaigns, and integrate fresh data, their own as well as external data, to make sure they're reaching the right customers. So really exciting. Actually, in Ascend, clients can load their own customer data, get access to experience, credit, and marketing data, and also bring in data from third parties, even the other bureaus. This is then combined with our capabilities and identity resolution to integrate all that information and make it immediately actionable across marketing channels, across display, advanced TV, prospect email, direct mail, um, and beyond. Um, It's totally FCRA compliant for firm offer campaigns, and it can actually differentiate between regulated and non-regulated workflow. And because it reduces the procedures and typical handoffs in the pre-scheme process, the data in the platform is more current. And that has a direct impact on our clients' engagement and approval rates. For example, we've seen a 70% increase in open rates for firm offer email campaigns and a 10% increase in approvals when compared with previous methods of running firm offer campaigns. So we're pretty excited uh, because this real-time approach decreases our clients' time to market, provides a more accurate picture of audiences, 
and allows our clients to make unique offers for different types of customers and reach them in the very channels they interact. So um, a lot going on within financial services and, and more to come, Peter. Right, right. So I, I'm curious about the, like, we, we don't have the direct mail volume that we had, you know, 20 years ago, mm-hmm. but we certainly have email volume that, that that's ramped up. I mean, are you, when you're talking with your financial services clients, are they channel agnostic? Are there some that really say, right, we want to, we want to do an email campaign. I mean, how, how are you working with them? Oh, yeah. Well, our clients are very sophisticated, as you know. Um, and so they're working across all channels and they're optimizing across all channels, depending on the customer they're trying to reach and what they know about the customer. So as you indicated, yeah, direct mail volumes, I would say advertising continues to shift towards the digital channels um, and our financial services clients are, are, are right along with them, but they're using all of the channels and they're using those channels in a way, depending on the customer, depending on the campaign, that's going to be the highest ROI and the most effective for them. Right, right. Okay. And so this, I, I just want to go back to identity again, because it feel, this feels really important here. I mean, when we talk about identity, I mean, it seems like what you're saying is that everything kind of Um, revolves around that. I mean, maybe you could talk about a little bit more and what the importance is to marketers. I mean, you nailed it. Identity is just fundamental. It always has been and always will be. And actually more so because as, as consumers move towards digital, as these different data types emerge and deprecate, identity is foundational for being successful in advertising through those changes. I'll give you, I'll give you some context um, and for your audience A single customer can be represented by literally dozens of identities from different devices and locations. Mm -hmm. So to get a complete view of every customer and prospect, marketers have to be able to connect all of those data points. That ability enables them to deliver the ads to the right person in the right channel. And so to do that, they need to link across devices as well as across first-party and third-party data. That's what ultimately allows them to better define their customer segments, drive the right insights and strategies, and, and of course, ultimately win. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, right, right. Okay, and so then, you know, the difference thing, the difference about financial services is different to advertising, you know, mattresses or something else. It's a highly mm-hmm. regulated industry, and there's a lot of you know data privacy, security yeah. issues. It's really becoming you know. I mean, a lot of consumers are very concerned about their their own privacy and their data security. I mean, how does experience sort of manage that tension between like privacy from the consumer and then, you know, providing a rich data set for your clients? Well, I'll tell you, you know what? It's not tension for us because it's the way we do business. Data privacy is at the heart of what we do and the way we work. We strictly comply with the data protection laws in all the countries we operate in. And we're vigilant when it comes to security integrity. We consider not just compliance, but also the ethical and responsible uses of data. We strive to be transparent in our practices. And it's really important to us that it's made easy for consumers to opt out if they don't want their personal information to be used. Okay. Okay. Because it it seems to me, I mean, I, I feel like you know, marketing is getting better. There's no question, particularly I think online marketing. Um, I, you see, you don't very often see completely irrelevant ads anymore, but I still, you still like, I still get the direct mail pieces where, you know, I, I think I, you know, I won't name it, but large banks particularly uh, are continuing to send pieces of mail yeah. and I've, ne- you know, they've probably sent, some of them have probably sent over the last 
decade, hundreds of pieces, and I've never responded to anything. I mean, are we get, do you think that marketing is going to get better now? Uh, or, or when is it going to get to the stage where, okay, it's clear that he's not going to respond to this uh, particular <laughs> campaign. Let's not do that anymore and, 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 switch, and switch gears. What, are, we, are we getting closer to that kind of world? Marketing is constantly improving, that's for sure. <laughs> and, you know, there there continues to be that because quite honestly, it's still effective. <laughs> um, and uh, even if you're throwing it away and it's it's frustrating for you. But yeah, the, you know, what is, what is driving better marketing, we believe, is more data and right. more, which enables better personalization, which I think is exactly what you're getting to yes. is, hey, Peter doesn't want to be reached by the mail. You don't respond to it. So what is the way that we can communicate with Peter that you do respond to the message that you that, first of all, the message is relevant to you, but making sure you want that offer mm-hmm. um, and um, and then that you're able to see it and respond to it. So that's and that. That evolution, and um, that is where we are getting better, and that is all powered by data. Right, right. Interesting, interesting. Okay, so then I'd love to kind of step back for a second and talk about the you, – you've been doing this now for a while, and I'd love to get the sense of, of, of your vision for, you know, what is – What's the, what's the future going to look like as you know, data privacy continues to, to ramp up, you know, and we get better and better at kind of isolating individual identities? And are we got like, what, what, what's your vision for the future of all yeah. this? Well, you know, the future of digital identity and privacy are intertwined, right? That's, that's the, simply the case. Um, right. So our view is that marketers need to shift focus to building trust providing clear value, being more transparent, and ensuring there's relevancy and a positive digital experience. What we were just talking about, that relevancy. You know, as we talked about earlier, a lot of the dynamics we see playing out today are because consumers want more visibility on how their data is being used. So so identity going forward is going to have to put that trust and transparency um, at the forefront. And, And our vision is, is to enable a healthy, effective, and resilient advertising ecosystem that allows marketers to access the data they need and to seamlessly adapt their strategy as new data becomes available, but in a privacy forward way. You know, our market is dynamic, and we believe this approach, it creates for our clients the flexibility to adapt to consumer behavior, technologies, market changes, and ultimately, and more, most importantly, will enable our clients and our partners' success. Right, right. Yeah. Before before I let you go, I do want to ask about. You know, we're, we're recording this the day after Apple's big uh, big day, and and, and um, they talked about how you're you now have to sort of opt into tracking and all that sort of thing. It feels like they're becoming a lot more concerned about data privacy, and which obviously driven by their by their customers. And you talk. I just want to clarify the. Like with the mobile phone is is an, is its own kind of thing. There's just so much data. I, someone said that each mobile phone generates like 20 gigabytes of data a day, and it's all you know it's all able to be analyzed. But how when you look at mobile and you look at what Apple's doing, and you talked about like the what was the is it IDFA IDFA? Mm-hmm. So maybe just before we before we close, just touch on that and how because mobile is just you know, it's the center of everyone's lives pretty much now is their mobile device. So how is that kind of um, going to play out in your mind? So mobile is incredibly important. And what Apple announced is 
so the each Apple device, every iPhone, if you will, has a mobile advertising identifier. It's a, called IDFA. It's a, another term for more generically across Apple and other, other platforms is called Maids. Um, and so what they said is that app publishers, so I'm sure you've got dozens of apps on your iPhone, apps publishers um, are going to be required to solicit consumers' permission before they can collect data and potentially share that data with other partners. They already have permission today, but it's on an opt-out basis. So um, you know, you actually have to go into the privacy settings of that app and say, I don't want my data shared if you don't. Um, so what app the change Apple's making is that there's going to be a pop-up that says, do you want your data shared? shared? And you're going to have to opt in to have that information shared. Now that information being shared for a lot of, in a lot of cases actually enables the performance of that app and actually enables it to be effective. So in a lot of cases, you know, you, sh you should and want to say yes, but that of course will be a personal decision up to consumers. So the expectation is that some people will not opt in, some people will opt in, and there's gonna be a larger onus on the app publishers to explain to customers what the value proposition right. is there. Uh, why the data, why they need the data and why they share the data and what the benefit is directly to that consumer. Right, right. And it seems like that, that to me, I mean, that sort of giving the user a little bit more control because um, there, are, there are people that are paranoid and don't want to share anything. And there are others like myself who are happy to share if I'm getting something of value back for it. So mm -hmm. it's, it feels like, I mean, as, as we, I mean, do you see that as sort of a model for how some of these big device makers or, you know, people that control a lot of data, is that, is that a model you think will, will continue? There are a lot of different paths forward, um, right? The Apple's decision wasn't driven purely by due to their their concern for consumer privacy, as much as they may state that, <laughs> um, and and therefore that's why you've heard some controversy and discussion around um, that decision and the right. you know the the implications that'll have on app publishers in the industry. I, you know, I don't have comment on that, but I I think there are a lot of different ways and paths forward that we'll see. But the theme of in enabling consumer transparency and control is, 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 is certainly fundamental and one that we all uh, need to acknowledge as um, the way the world is, is moving and one that I think by embracing, we can help support um, a, a more resilient advertising ecosystem going forward. Right. Right. Okay. Well, we'll have to leave it there, Genevieve. It's it's yeah. a really fascinating discussion. I could certainly, you know, it, it's uh, you live, you work in a very um, dynamic uh, world where where you're, you know, with all the changes that's happening, and it's exciting. I think it's uh, marketing, as you say, keeps getting better. So thanks for coming on the show, Genevieve. Thanks so much. Okay. A lot of fun to be here. Yeah. See ya. You know, I thought it was really interesting that Genevieve said from her perspective, there's really no tension between you know, data privacy and providing, you know, rich data for, you know, for marketers. And, you know, to me, that, that really should be the, the way that all advertisers and all device makers and everything, everyone in this space operates because people want data privacy and particularly today where data is so readily available on the dark web and people want to be able to at least have some semblance of control over their data, whether that's credit data, whether that's personal data for marketers or what have you. So, you know, it's really great to see that there are 
best practices here that really take data privacy into account while providing you know, as much data as possible to marketers. Anyway, on that note, I will sign off. I very much appreciate you listening and I'll catch you next time. Bye. Today's episode was brought to you by Lendit Fintech, the world's largest digital media and events company dedicated to all things fintech. Lendit Fintech offers programs throughout the year to the fintech community, such as engaging webinars, white papers, a weekly news show, a daily newsletter, and our newest offering, Fintech Features, a program that helps fintech companies amplify their announcements. Find out more details on all these offerings at lendit.com.